0: Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex to be considered before becoming a client of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Securities are offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Annex Wealth Management and HBEC are unaffiliated. This program may contain forward-looking statements which may not come true. Please consult with an advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management on WTMJ. Welcome
1: everybody. It is Money Talk Saturday, June thirtieth. The excessive heat warning continues, except in the WTMJ studios, where I estimate it's about what fifty-two degrees. It's degrees. awfully cool because of the
2: folks that are in the studio with us today. Danny, thank you. Uh, Mark Oswald, of course, joins us, and Derek Felsky, chief investment officer at Annex Wealth Management. And yes, it's hot outside, but you know there's a lot of things going on in the market right now, and of course it's the end of the quarter, Derek.
3: It is actually, you know, despite all of the talk about trade and you know threats through the media and talks about peak earnings growth. The S&P notched a 3.6% gain in Q1. The NASDAQ up 7% mark, and small caps even better, up 8%. Well,
4: you look at the NASDAQ number, you look at the number of quarters in a row now that we've had up markets in the NASDAQ. Technology continues to lead. I think it's eight quarters in a row that we've had positive returns on the NASDAQ. And you think about things like the FANG stocks, the Amazons of the world, and they just continue to go, and it's been something. We've been overweight in our portfolios for a couple of years now, and it's really paid off for it.
2: And Amazon made a bunch of news this week when they got in the way of the Walgreens welcoming party to the Dow Jones. So your GE gets uh, booted out, Walgreens comes in, and the next
3: day they got Amazoned. Yeah, we talked about that last week, that you don't want to necessarily invest based on who's going in or out of the Dow. In fact, GE announced some restructuring, getting rid of Baker. Hughes, were, you know, eventually divesting their health division. So that stock went up. And meanwhile, Walgreens went down 10 percent as Amazon announced a, a billion-dollar purchase of PillPack, which is an online drug distributor.
2: So they get licenses in every state, and that had been the hurdle they weren't able to get over. And so Amazon rallies. The drug distributor companies go down, and as you called it last week, GE was rallied. So that, that is, it's got some history to
3: it. It does, and I think this will be the sixth time in a row that a company that was replaced actually
4: outperformed the company that replaced it. You know, guys, when you start thinking about broadly about investors versus traders, and you look at the way that the markets have performed again in this quarter, so it's it's been a positive march forward for the last now 9 plus years derek and certainly i think that it's it's time for people to reflect on their portfolios if you haven't done a portfolio review is now a good time to be looking at rebalancing and being more tactical in your portfolios?
3: I, I certainly think so. I mean, I was looking at the five-year returns from companies like Netflix and Amazon and the like, and we're talking about anywhere from 500% to 2,000% gains over the last five years. Now, that's not to say that those companies won't continue to exceed on a, you know, succeed on a fundamental level, but at some point, valuation does rear its ugly head, and the law of large numbers begins to prevail.
2: And so there was a lot of talk as well about earnings of course, because we had a great earnings season, guys. And it's projected, again, to have another good earnings season next
3: quarter as well. Yeah, I think we saw an indication of that Thursday night after the close when Nike reported, obviously, a very large global company, crushed the earnings estimates. Stock rose 13%. And in conjunction with that, they announced a $15 billion buyback. And that's the one thing we've talked about, really, for the last couple of years, is that during earnings season, companies aren't allowed to talk about buyback plans or dividend increases. They are, after they report, And so we're in that quiet period now. And what we've seen typically is the stock market kind of backs and fills throughout earnings season and then takes a new leg higher as companies announce these provisions. And so Donald
2: Trump was in town this week and there was a lot of conversation about tariffs and not only companies here, but around the world as well, Mark. And so there's lots of things to think about. There's
4: no doubt about that. And and I think that's what we come down to at the end of the day here is there's always news. There's always noise out there, whether it's tariff talk or whether it's trade wars or whatever it's going to be, but I think you guys are hitting it on the head when it comes down to it. It's the fundamentals. It's the earnings of companies. How much did you sell last quarter? How much did you earn based on those revenues? And those numbers were good. When you look at the GDP number, Derek, you look at an economy that is growing. You're looking at an unemployment rate now of 3.8%, 2.8% here in the state of Wisconsin. Those are healthy numbers, and I think that's what people should focus on.
3: The interesting thing to me is that in, in Q1, the G- U.S. GDP grew 2%. We're looking at now a median forecast for Q2 of 3.4%. Atlanta Fed is high as 4.5%. So obviously, if corporate America did well in Q1, they're going to do do very well in Q2. And the irony of it is that the S&P is only up about 2.5% on a year-to-date basis, but earnings are up north of 20 So essentially the stock market on a P.E. basis is cheaper now than it was at the beginning of the year. And then I just recently saw a bullish bearish survey uh, early this week that the percentage of bears is at the second highest level it's been in a year. So obviously there are opportunities. Sentiment is not excessive and earnings growth continues to surprise. And so we have
2: lots more to talk about. We certainly want to talk about midterm elections coming up and the effect it could have on the investing world as well as sectors. We talked a little bit about technology. There are some sectors that are doing well and others that aren't. So Derek, can you stick around for another second? I certainly can.
1: Still to come, Deanne Phillips talking about Generation X. Yep, it's your turn to catch up for retirement. Also, Randy Winkler on the four levers of achieving a financial goal. And Mandy Nowashinsky, our tax planner on the impact of the Supreme Court ruling on internet sales tech. Also, we're going to talk about our new office downtown. It's coming up on Money Talk at WTMJ.
0: Money tips that don't cost a thing. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ.
1: Money Talk on WTMJ, Saturday, June 30th. Yep, excessive heat warning, maybe a little relief at Summerfest. We'll see, it's uh, the first official weekend of Summerfest. My name is Danny Clayton, Dave Spano, and your guests. Derek Felsky, and of course, Mark Oswald, as always. And you know, Derek, before we
2: went to break, we were talking about a number of things that are happening. One of them is the sectors, some are doing well and some are not. Included in that is some index realignments that are happening as well. So as Mark alluded to in the last segment, there are places that you should invest in some sectors
3: that that you should avoid as mark mentioned we've been overweight technology in our portfolios for really the last six seven years um and we see reason, no reason not to maintain that however there are other areas of the market particularly like consumer discretionary which Dave, we talked about a little bit during our investment committee meeting on on tuesday obviously amazon a big component of that but you're starting to see more and more retailers start to beat expectations i mentioned nike earlier that's obviously a really good sign for the companies like Foot Locker and the like Uh, So consumer discretion is an interesting area, particularly given that the tax cut is still continuing to filter through the system, consumer sentiment
4: remains strong, and the labor market is very tight. One of the factors, Derek, that seems like it really affects which sectors do well and which sectors underperform is interest rates. We saw the Fed raise rates here in June, in the second quarter, and there may be more rate raises to come. Are there sectors that you stay away from based on the prospects of an interest rate rise?
3: Absolutely. I mean, we, we kind of refer to them as bond substitutes. These are companies that have, tend to have high yields uh, that look very attractive when interest rates are um, falling, but don't look so good when interest rates start to rise, particularly on the long end of the yield curve. So things like utilities, uh, REITs, although to a lesser degree REITs actually, and then um, consumer staples, companies like Altria, which have a very high dividend but lack the capacity to grow that dividend dramatically, become vulnerable if you believe long-term rates are, are poised to rise. Uh, the one sector that theoretically should do very well if rates rise, provided the yield curve is steepening, are financials. And they just got a new... Uh new lease on life on Thursday as, as most of the most of them passed the stress tests are now able to increase dividends and, and launch corporate buybacks uh, with the exception of Goldman and Morgan Stanley who were basically said they were basically told to maintain current levels because remember at the beginning of the year they took a big hit in the fourth quarter on tax reform they had to actually realize some significant gains that, that, that basically hampered their results
2: Derek you mentioned the yield curve and there's been a lot that has been written about the flattening yield curve versus an inverted yield curve and we've been talking about this for years a flattening yield curve does not suggest a recession does it
3: no it, it typically doesn't and you know again this is one of the things that when people look back in time they say well after the yield curve inverted we had a recession with you know within six to 12 months so until we actually see the yield curve invert I'm gonna to have to remain reasonably positive on on equity prices because equities do tend to do well as the yield curve
4: is flattening so I think about this conversation guys and certainly we're not suggesting that people run away from fixed income it's about being tactical you're looking at sector of the market, and there's places that we think it's smart to be and places that it's smart to avoid. But when you look at asset selection, you're talking about what do you use to fill that space of your portfolio? There should always be some fixed income or fixed income-like investments in your portfolio.
3: Yeah, one of our relationship managers up in the Mequon office sent me an email yesterday after the close and, and had a, a prospect come in and wanted to understand what we were doing in fixed income. So I basically sent him back a fairly you know simple uh, analysis, but it basically suggested that in fixed income, you want to avoid interest rate risk. So the duration of the bond index that most bond managers benchmark against is about six, which means that if interest rates rise by 1%, the value of your bond will decline by 6%. So that's a duration of six. So basically, I went through all of the things we're holding in fixed income, like preferred stocks, a duration of four, short-term bonds, a duration of one, bank loans, a duration of essentially zero. So essentially, what what we're trying to tell that person is that if interest rates rise, we've protected him against it, particularly if they because the economy is on sound footing. But if
2: you're listening to this and you've invested in the bond index egg, you you have had your lunch
3: handed to you. Yeah, and I I really feel like you're picking up pennies in front of a steamroller.
4: It's really interesting because I think for the average investor, when you start thinking about things like duration and sensitivity to interest rates, it's hard for the do-it-yourselfer to go through that analysis. Our investment committee and our investment team is doing that kind of analysis for our clients, and it really pays off in terms of the smoothing out the ride, in terms of performance. We're not trying to hit home runs all the time, but the fact of the matter is is that when you're smart about it, when you're thinking about things in these terms of what is likely to happen next in terms of an interest rate rise, you can be tactical and you can be smart in your portfolio.
2: So much more to cover, but uh, we're running out of time on this steamy Saturday morning. Derek, thanks for coming into the studio today.
1: My pleasure, Dave. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer, Dave Spano. You're sticking around. Mark Oswald's sticking around. A lot more show going on. Hey, hit up AnnexWealth.com. That's your destination. When you get to that website, you'll see Know the Difference, and you'll see a green button that says Get a Plan. You can click that and you can get a free portfolio analysis. That's simple. If what you hear on the radio each and every day for, what, 13, 14 years now? Kind of resounds with you, kind of clicks with you. This is a team you can trust. We'd love to talk to you. In fact, you'll see three buttons at the bottom. One says team, one says tech, one says trust. Those are the three pillars that we build this company on. It is team, it is technology, and it's trust. Again, AnnexWealth.com, 262-786-6363. And this week, celebrating the opening of our brand-new location downtown inside the Pfister Hotel, coming up. At the end of the show, we're going to talk about how we got there, how we got to the Fister. That's coming up on Money Talk on WTMJ.
0: This is my Spreading place. the wealth every Saturday. Here's more Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ.
1: Deanne Phillips is here. She is our Director of Client Learning and Development. We hear a lot about millennials. You're a lot about baby boomers, kind of in the middle, the Gen Xers. That's you.
5: That's you too, Danny. No,
1: I'm a baby boomer. (laughs) Oh wow, you'd never know it. All right, so what do you find?
5: Well, okay, so first off, those boomers, and now remember, these are people who are really on the cusp of, or have just retired, you know, in their mid, late fifties, and you know, into the sixties. Last year, it was reported that only about a third of them have saved more than a quarter of a million for retirement.
1: These are boomers.
5: These are boomers. Now, that's only about one fourth of what's generally an accepted amount that a retiree will need for the rest of their lifetime. So they have a problem, but a lot of them are already at that retirement point. The generation before them, those are those Gen Xers, Generation X, they're about ages 37 to 51-ish or so they actually report feeling burdened by student loans and credit card debt still. So these are people, especially in their early 50s, who you would think would have retirement on the horizon. And Danny, we see this. We have couples that walk into our office all the time that might have a million dollars saved and we're like, wow, that's amazing, right? They are be in their early to mid-50s, but they could have hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loan debt that they've taken on still. to get their kids through college. Oh. It's not theirs, it's their children, you right? You
1: said that before, that you should not rob your retirement to pay for, yeah, for you really your kids' can't. college.
5: You really have to do the planning with that. It's such a noble aspiration to want to pay for your kids' college, but that's where a planner can come in to, to help you, because remember, once you hit retirement, you're earning capacity as a worker stops. But your kids, after they finish college, theirs is beginning, so their career is an asset. And hopefully over time, if they've gone to college, they'll keep earning more and more and more. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, if you've bumped too much money, you don't have enough for your retirement, I hope your kids like you a lot because you could be living in the basement.
1: Well, you put the in-law suite on. That's what you need. Okay, so talking about this catch-up thing.
5: Right. So passing the catch-up, right? So the catch-up is uh, how do we, when we're still in our working years, if we feel that we're behind, how do we make up that extra? And the first thing I want to say as a former portfolio manager, too, is never do it by taking too much risk in a portfolio. It's really tempting to say, I started late, so I have to be super high risk with my investments. I'm going to
1: swing for the fences. Don't do that.
5: Do not. Do that. Things have to be methodical, and you know this goes back to our discussions we have of risk tolerance, right? Versus risk capacity. So these Gen Xers have capacity, meaning how many years do they have of life expectancy? Peer the actuarial tables. If you are fifty-two, well, and you're a female, you could have forty more years. So you know, not that I'm retiring tomorrow or anything. That happens to be my age, but you know, I've got to be sure that things are are placed in a way in our family's portfolio so that there's growth, but taking the appropriate amount of risk, but not too much.
1: Let, let, let me get back to the original thing, which is not being sufficiently funded for retirement. Is that a matter of bad planning or
5: poor discipline? Uh, sometimes it's just timing, Danny, too. You know, we're seeing people that come in and maybe they've gone to college for one thing and then they flip careers. They okay. changed. So maybe, you know, a lot of times younger people in that generation, you know, I, I can speak for myself. We thought, oh, I've got forever to yep. work. I don't need to put away in, in a 401k right now. Right. So I myself, actually didn't start saving away I had a tiny pension thank goodness for myself in the 20s because of a former job but I didn't go into this profession until I was almost 30 so I didn't start aggressively putting into a 401k till then so the temptation is you know think back when when we were 30 we still felt pretty young pretty impervious you know oh I've always got tomorrow to save that's where you run into as the years creep on that scare of, oh, my gosh, I have all these expenditures that I want to do. This is where a planner comes in. So what we do at Annex at any age, we bring people in and we separate out their expenses, particularly if they're on the cusp of retirement. But this is great for those Gen Xers in their 40s and 50s, you know, kind of that financial checkup. How am I doing? Well, let's take a look and say, all right, you want to help pay for your kids' tuition. Great. Let's carve that out as an expense. You want to be able to travel in your retirement. Let's carve that out as an additional expense. So basically what we're doing is we're taking the bucket of this is what I have to have for my you know food and my shelter versus this is my fun stuff in mm-hmm. retirement. So we separate that out because behavioral finance tells us if we retire and there's a horrible market, guess what? We might not be taking that trip to Europe that year
1: in 401ks or IRAs when you get to a certain age, you can put more in. Is that part of the catch-up?
5: It's absolutely part of the catch-up. So after the age of 50, you can put more into your 401k, into any retirement plan, Uh, and you should. And a lot of times, you know, we'll take a look at the situation. And remember, if you have a non-working spouse, you can put into an IRA for them as well, even if they don't have their own 401k plan. So even a little bit of extra withdrawal from a checking account into an IRA or into a Roth on a monthly basis, every little bit helps.
1: I was told there'd be no math involved, but you said there's a complex formula.
5: There is. Okay. You ready for this? All right. Save more, spend less. That's it. Oh, well, it's, it goes a little deeper than that, but that certainly is true.
1: We can help you do that. Annix can help you do that, and Deanne can be part of that. Deanne, I'd thanks for coming to. in. Hey,
5: thanks for having me
0: from simple investments to stock advice. Back to Money Talk with James Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ.
1: Joining me on the show is Randy Winkler, our financial planning manager. Randy, welcome. Thanks, Danny. I'm happy to be here. I saw this article that basically said, listen, instead of increasing your contributions every year by 1%, which I see different mutual fund companies say, Mm -hmm. it basically said, listen, work three to six months or maybe a year longer, and it's the same thing. the guy I ran to and you said, well, let me tell you about the four levers. So let's let's cover that instead. Well, I was excited when you came by because this is a topic that
6: I'm really interested in and passionate about. There are four levers that you have if you want to influence a financial goal. Okay. In this case, let's say retirement. You can get a higher rate of return. You can work longer. You can spend less or you can save more. And they all work together. It's amazing
1: how powerful they are when you take bits and pieces from each one. I think the difficult one is they get a higher rate of return because that's not guaranteed at all all you might hear people guarantee that we certainly don't
6: we spend a lot of time making sure through our risk assessment process that we're taking the right amount of risk for you if you determine that you want to retire a little bit earlier you're not going to get there with that goal you can't
1: just crank that up because it's probably not going to work out but if somebody's guaranteeing a high rate of return i mean we put bernie madoff in prison right right that's g- where you get in trouble right it's got
6: to be legitimate and you have to stay within your comfort zone if you were running late for work you could make the decision <laughs> i'm going to drive twice as fast it might work, but chances are something bad's gonna happen. Now where this does work out, I have an example of something that just happened recently, uh, working with someone who had um, been putting away 10 years into their 401k, contributing but not investing it was sitting in cash so when we started working with them we took a look at and say you know after we did a risk assessment they were able to take much more risk than that and hence get a better reward so we got them to the appropriate risk as opposed to going to an inappropriate risk to try and make up the
1: difference Uh, one thing that my parents really taught me to do was save I mean we just always saved but the investing part was something that you have to learn more about right it's probably the most
6: complicated part and there's a lot of people that that do it themselves and it's very enjoyable and it's why I, I personally got into the in- industry, but uh, there's so many factors involved and most people's natural inclination is to do exactly the wrong thing. Hey, the market's down, I'm gonna cash out. Hey, the market's up, I'm gonna,
1: I'm gonna invest a whole bunch more. So we're talking about the four levels of, is this retirement planning? It's really
6: any financial goal, but okay. it works probably best to, to put it into an example and retirement's an excellent
1: one for All right, this. So let's go through them.
6: Okay, well the, the next one would be to retire later. This one's very, very powerful. Some people don't like that one, you're already <laughs> laughing.
1: I, I don't want to retire retire later that's I can just hear people right yeah but I tell you I was talking to a buddy of mine a week ago and he said they're gonna have to drag me kicking and screaming out of this place because he enjoys working right and we see a lot
6: of that a lot of times people that come to us they want to know when they can retire when we show them people that came and said I need to be done now when we showed them they can be then suddenly they find that's a lot more enjoyable to know that they can walk out at any point
1: okay so you retire later because of higher Social Security if you wait longer or you're able to put away more more in investment.
6: Yes, Uh, both of them and multiple ones. It's really, really powerful. So let me give an example. Let's say that your expense number that you need to replace in retirement is $100,000. And let's just put pensions and inheritance and social security aside from right now. And let's say that you're putting away 25,000. So if you delay retirement by one year, you're putting away an extra $25,000 and you're not withdrawing 100. So you put that out to two years, you've made a difference of a quarter million dollars in your financial plan. It's very impactful and we've seen people that started with a plan that did not work Making a few simple tweaks like that and had a plan that looked really fantastic.
1: Again, financial planning department at Annex works with our clients to kind of figure this out. So that's one of the levers. what's the next one?
6: The next one is to save more. So when you hit fifty years old, the year you turn fifty, you can do some catch up contributions. So you can put an extra thousand away into your IRA, you can put an extra six thousand away into your four hundred one K. So a lot of people that have waited, you know, they've they've gone through the the spendy years and then they see retirement on the horizon, then like I gotta really crank it up now. So start Starting at 50, you can ramp up uh, how much you're putting away.
1: You went through the spendy years. Are you into the freak-out years, or are you just able to do that? Well, it's interesting. I read
6: a, uh, a survey so that the average person starts thinking about retirement at age 49, which I thought was surprising, and I, I guess we've witnessed that. The, you should really start planning for retirement when you get your first job, start thinking about what it looks like when you get to 49. Okay, so save more is one of the levers, okay. My favorite one is spend less. I think that's where you have the most power, and I'll give give an example of that. Uh, So let's say that you're planning for retirement, and you spend 100% of your take-home pay, you're not saving anything. You can never retire. Again, putting aside all the other income sources. Now on the extreme side, let's say that you can live on 1% of your income, now you can retire in one year because if you're saving 99%, you've, sure. you've got 99 years put away. Again, an extreme example. But if you take that same logic and put it into some different situations, you can see the power of it. So if you're putting away 10% of your income, you're living on 90%. So let's say you up that to 20%, you're now living on 80 So not only are you putting away more, the income you need to replace is less. So it's easier. If you got to 50-50...
1: It's a lever that goes in two directions. One thing my wife and I did, we never bought the McMansion. Buying a smaller house that we could afford seemed a little too small at times. There were two bouts of unemployment in my career. And we survived it. The old advice to buy as much house as you can afford, I personally think that's horrible advice
6: because that's assuming that everything is going to be going well for you, continuing down the same path. And there's there's bumps in the road. There's unemployment. There's job changes. There's career changes. A lot of people don't retire when they want to. They retire because of health issues or because of layoffs. So you've got to have a flexible plan and you've got to be looking at all of those different variables. And the four levers are just one, two, three, four? Get a higher rate of return, one that I would really... Seriously considered not using there's retire later, save more, and spend less. And some combination of those those bottom three are really, really powerful.
1: Randy Winkler, financial planning manager here at Annex Wealth Management. He is part of the team. Thanks for jumping on. I appreciate it. Thanks, Danny. This was fun.
0: Watch your investments grow with Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Danger, danger, it's a tax segment.
1: Math will be involved. I'm just kidding. Hey, Mandy.
7: Hi, how are you doing?
1: Mandy Nowashinsky is our tax planner at Annex Wealth Management. See, I'm the different side of the brain. You're one side of the brain. Yes. I'm the other side of the brain. This Did they come to you early?
7: Yes, yeah. I love numbers. Always have.
1: Like a beautiful mind type where it's all written <laughs> oh, Yes. The, okay, it's like that. So in the course of what you do for Annex Wealth Management, and you do a lot, you really help people kind of go through some tax situations, you work heavily with our financial planning department.
7: I do, yeah. So I do, I'm a CPA, which is a certified public accountant, and a CFP, so a certified financial planner. So I do a little bit of both. Dual threat. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk
1: about what the Supreme Court did last week, and it was pretty big news. Can you break it down?
7: Yeah, so definitely big news for us accountants. And what they did is they changed a very old ruling on how sales taxes collected. Previously, it was you had to have physical Presidents,
1: no, this is just on the internet, right? This is just... Just on the internet.
7: Yes, just on the internet. So if you think back to maybe 2014, you bought something from Amazon... They may not have charged you sales tax because they weren't here in the state of Wisconsin yet. I
1: remember that. I it, remember that was a little kind of a delightful loophole.
7: It was, and so when they came to you know the Kenosha area, yep. I think end of twenty fifteen, <laughs>
1: party was over.
7: It was. You had they started collecting sales tax and remitting it to the state of Wisconsin.
1: Did you have a problem with that at the time? Because you know, it's one of these things that we probably should have been doing it, but we got away with it, and then it, the party was over, right?
7: Right, and there's still and this case that went to the Supreme Court, was Wayfair. Wayfair is another really large online retail. So what they did is they said, oh, basically... I buy something from Wayfair right now. So they don't have to collect sales tax, but what I have to do as a consumer is pay it when I file my Wisconsin tax return. So there's where they get you.
1: So you see that all the time. I get to the and that's toward the end of the return. Isn't it? <laughs> You're exactly and right. It's by on then, that last page. by then, if people are doing their own taxes, they're exhausted mm-hmm. and they, do they skip that?
7: Oh, I'm asking for a friend. I'm asking for a lot of people do or they they'll estimate. Yeah, I know I bought something online from a, a retail place that didn't collect sales tax, and you know they'll estimate the they want to remit back.
1: If the IRS really wanted, they could find out what somebody bought online, couldn't oh, they?
7: Yeah, I mean, that's all credit cards sure. these days. Everybody uses credit cards online, so it's easier to track if you bought something from Wayfair or Overstock and, you know, large okay. ticket items.
1: So Supreme Court of the United States said, okay, if you don't have to have a physical presence in a state to charge internet sales tax, and that's changing the game for a lot of people, mm-hmm. is this Amazon's fault?
7: <laughs> Amazon, Wayfair, Overstock, you know, all of those larger retail people who do everything online, essentially.
1: And this is gonna hurt them, they think.
7: Yeah, a lot more compliance and tax filings, because really what it does is is this case focuses on larger sales. You know, if you've got a little mom-pop, you know, selling things on Etsy, that's not what this ruling was. meant to hurt but
1: it's, it will but it will get somebody that sells on etsy right
7: it could so the supreme court case that was brought it was if you sell to a state and have over a hundred thousand dollars of sales you know you could have a successful sure. etsy business selling a lot to yep. one state but Bunch of little
1: stuff yeah exactly but if you're selling little stuff it's it's okay,
7: okay. you're you're most likely going to be okay because they don't want to affect commerce and interstate
1: when this came out brick and mortar actually cheered because it kind of leveled the uh, playing field there's a big online retailer B and H photo i think you can get cameras really cheap and they had an maybe an unfair advantage mm-hmm. instead of going to a camera place in the mall that maybe should get your dollars you're doing it online so maybe does that money stay local is that okay
7: yeah so and you know and that's what the state wants in this case it was south dakota and i'm sure wisconsin would jump on too they just want to keep what money should be paid to the state with the states. Um, so in this case, Wayfair would have to pay some sales tax back to the state of South Dakota. Now this won't be retroactive, but Wayfair has to collect it if they sell to residents in South Dakota and now remit it back.
1: Thanks. So this is a good thing for CPAs? Does this mean more work for more
7: CPAs? More work. So we get tax reform at the end of the year. We get this you know, this ruling from the Supreme Court. Yeah, it definitely keeps us employed.
1: This isn't a tax thing, but South Dakota was part of this Why Didn't South Dakota do something years ago where they put call centers in South South Dakota, were there, were there tax advantages for that
7: so South Dakota is one of those states, you know, with a lower income tax and no income tax. And you know, that's why a lot of people like South Dakota. Um, similar to Florida. You know, um if you have a call center in Florida and you have a lot of employees, theoretically you could pay them less because mm. they don't have a state income tax that they have to pay to. Sure. The state of Wisconsin it could be between six and seven percent. So to make everything equal, you do need to pay somebody in Wisconsin a little more, theoretically, than Florida.
1: Mandy Nowshinsky is our tax planner at Annex Wealth Management. We're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks, but there's a tax holiday coming up for Wisconsin. You were kind of excited about it. I, I didn't quite figure out how I should feel.
7: <laughs> I do a lot of shopping, though, so it it's okay. very important for me. It's meant for back-to-school. Um, the state of Wisconsin always has a sales tax-type holiday closer to back-to-school time, but they've increased it greatly this year. So come August, you know, get ready, get back to school, supply clothing you get a sales tax holiday you don't have to pay that
1: you're a numbers person so this is a deal this is something to pay this attention is a deal to? okay and
7: i know you know some other retailers in the area will also offer additional incentives beyond that so it's even more savings you know for back to school time
1: good you'll come back and talk to us about that yes mandy noschinski tax planner at annex wealth management part of the huge team
0: thanks for coming on <laughs> thanks get professional help with your portfolio. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ.
1: It's Money talk, Annex Wealth Management. I'm Danny Clayton. Dave Spano still here. So is Mark Oswald. Guys, you know, Dave, I don't even need to ask you. All over Summerfest, aren't you? First weekend, there's nothing like it.
2: Well, you know, opening ceremonies were uh, this week, and it's always exciting, and it's it's a big deal for this town. There's no question. But of course, th- there was a little uh, interruption to opening ceremonies uh, this week. Not not at the event, but leading up to the event, we had our ribbon cutting ceremony at the at the Fister on Wednesday morning and Wednesday night was uh, opening ceremonies as well as the the streets of Wisconsin Avenue in front of the Fister were being locked down.
1: Who knows how to throw a party? Yeah. Annex Wealth Management right. party, exactly right. Well, first off, when you set, the, you set that um, the ribbon cutting, the ceremony. ribbon cutting, you had no idea the president was coming.
2: Well, he certainly didn't tweet and let's say we're coming <laughs> for the Annex Wealth Management ribbon cutting at the Fister Hotel. He didn't ask; he just said he's coming, and so that, that's what happened. Uh, and so it was our event went fine. Uh, the ceremonies went fine. Wednesday night, Big Bank was doing well, so it's a good day to be a Milwaukee resident. C-
1: guys, can I go in the way back, Michelle? you guys must step back and think holy cow look at this you open a major branch in in a, a bustling area i mean what a great location think about those early days when you got this thing going i mean did you have any idea
2: from the very beginning that's a great question from the very beginning we wanted to be known as the elite wealth management firm from green bay to madison to chicago i've been very clear about that since the very beginning and of course wtmj is right in the middle sure. of that and so it reaches all of those areas and so these branches are part of that and some of the questions we got early on are you getting too big At the end of the day are we Relationship manager only has a certain number of relationships. And so, you know, if someone's a client and they listen to this, that's not affecting them at all. What we're doing is putting Areas that are, need to be serviced and want to be serviced, our clients are there and making it easier for them to get there.
1: When did you guys first start thinking about downtown?
2: Well, you know, we, we know that there's so much downtown going on, and you know, I had involved in a lot of organizations yep. in downtown Milwaukee. And uh, one of the things we had looked at is to build a building in, in the third ward, actually. And we had been working on that, and uh, what had happened is there had there wasn't enough egress and ingress into the third ward, and we were part of a conversation and, to get some freeway access. Of course, uh, everyone made that happen, the DOT and Governor Walker and all kinds of people, including Don Smiley and Greg Ewan and all these people got together and they were a big part of that entrance and exit to go down in downtown. But other organizations I've been involved with, not only Summerfest and the Italian Community Center and United Ethnic Festivals and the Third Ward Historic Committee, I knew that that's a place for us to be because our clients are there and it's easier for our clients, for for whatever, at Johnson Controls or Northwestern Mutual, wherever they work, to come and see us during the day, either for breakfast or lunch, than going to Mequon or
4: Delafield or Elm Grove. And Dave, you know, I wanna take you back to something you said there about being the elite wealth management firm within that geographic triangle from Green Bay to Chicago to Madison. And certainly when you start looking at elite, a lot of people start thinking, well, does that mean the biggest? and i think when you look at it and say how do you define what an elite wealth management firm is i think you look at the characteristics of the team and i certainly think that that's part of the outreach into the fister has been can we take the technology can we take the team and deliver to another market to the whitefish bays and all the communities that are you know part of the downtown fabric but Talk about the elite wealth management team and what that means for the mission for this firm.
2: Well, there's no question. So, Mark, so and you know as well as anybody, is that when we did this, and and this came was an outgrowth of really just a practice to say, how can one person or even two or three people in in a practice be an expert at all of these things? How can you do estate planning if you're not an estate planning attorney? needed to bring that person in. How can you do great tax planning if you're not a CPA and a tax planner? We brought that person in. And how do you do full-scale financial planning that is interactive, and I think you were alluding to that with the technology, is let's go in and sit down and say, what happens if you do this? What happens if you do that? What happens if our circumstances change? You know, people get married, people get divorced, people are born, people die, a lot of circumstances change, people's jobs change,
4: and that changes their financial picture. And the other part of that, too, is using technology You know, we've been doing client meetings now where we have people in different locations. Husband could be in one location and wife's in another location. Our planning department can be in that meeting virtually from their offices here in Elm Grove. And then you could have an, a relationship manager in the Fister. You could all be in the same conversation. So bringing that talent all the way downtown into uh, the Fister has just been a fantastic thing. But congratulations to uh, our team and certainly to you from an idea of just the design of that facility. It's a beautiful facility. It's It's been great to work with the Fister and the Marcus Corporation, certainly Epstein you and uh, venture construction. They were all very, very key parts of that that mission and turned out great.
2: And so were you. You, uh, Thank you for everything that you did. But if you're downtown, if you're in the Pfister Hotel, pop in and say hello.
1: That's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. If uh, what we talk about matches up with the way you operate, your kinds of values, we'd love to talk to you. AnnexWealth.com is the place to start. 262-786-6363. Now with all those locations, we'd love to see you. Have a great week, guys.
2: Thank you and happy 4th. Advice and
0: opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Scripps Media Incorporated.